and welcome to Series 3 of the Female Athlete Podcast. We're dedicated to opening up the conversation around female physiology and women's health around sport and exercise. We have some really exciting interviews lined up for you in Series 3. So join us as we open up the conversation. Thank you to our title sponsor for this season, Umi Health. Now, Georgie and Jess, you'll already know, but I've personally signed up to Umi's free online course called Essentials by Umi. And I've been blown away by how much easily digestible and useful information there was all in one place um, around the topics to do with pelvic health, such as the core, to pooing, sex, and of course, information all around the pelvic floor, from its function to its anatomy and lots of muscle exercises. There's another membership option as well called Umi Plus, um, which covers even more information about pregnancy and postnatal. And it's just amazing how this life-changing information is all at your fingertips. And it's for the price of a smoothie each month. Arm yourself with the knowledge you deserve to understand your body better and exercise in a way that is mindful of your long-term pelvic health. Come join the revolution at umi-health.com. That's umi-health.com. On today's episode, we are looking at the role of biomechanics and the role that it plays in injury prevention and technique in running. So what do we mean by biomechanics when we use that term? It means the way in which we move. So the biomechanics of your legs, of your arms, of your torso when you're running and the different ways in which we use our body and move our body can influence how we may or may not get injured. So today's episode, we are talking to two experts in their own right. So first of all, we speak to former athlete Becky Lynn. Becky used to be an international 800 meter runner and she was very successful, but also experienced a plethora of injuries, which she has now used that experience to go on into looking more into the biomechanics of these injuries and what she could have perhaps used while she was an athlete she's now helping others to accomplish and remain injury free we also speak to dr chris brammer dr chris brammer is a physiotherapist based in manchester and he has just completed a phd in biomechanics and specifically related to injuries from running So it's our pleasure to have with us today, Becky Lynn. Uh, Becky is an advocate for women of all ages and all abilities in sport and the sport, particularly running. And Becky herself was a former international athlete and sort of burst onto the scene when she won the under 23 European champs in 2003. And in 2006, she became a European medalist again in the 800 metres. And that year was also named British Female Athlete of the Year, um, becoming at the time the third fastest British female 800 metre runner in a time, a very swift time of 1 minute 58.2. And since her running career, she's gone on to develop her own initiative um, and her own sort of uh, business programme, which she uses her own experiences as a runner to help other people to get into sports to achieve their goals. Um, So we've got a lot to talk about today, but welcome to the podcast, Becky. So for our listeners, like Becky, we used to train together, didn't we, back on the old old days? <laughs> I, was, I know when I was looking up some of your times, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember this. We used to have this horrific cross-country loop. You sort of ran around the track and then you ran around the bank and it was like a really steep incline. You used to have to run up 
and down and then go back on the track. And I used to drag Becky around those reps. And then when we got to the track, I would be absolutely annihilated. But it worked quite well, didn't it, for a while? (laughs) Um, So before we move on to like your running careers, first of all, and some of the success that you had there, um, could you just like tell listeners how you actually got into running? Because obviously you were very successful. Like what were your first like introductions to the sport? Yeah, well, possibly like a lot of people, I was first introduced to it by, uh, you know, uh, at school by a wonderful PE teacher. Um, so primary school was where I first tried uh, cross country. Uh, we had a really, yeah, really enthusiastic teacher. She was wonderful and a really successful school team. And uh, I actually remember my first race. I think I finished about 18th in the Sheffield Primary School cross country uh, and pretty much cried the whole way around. I'm really ashamed to admit, but um, so there was nothing there really that would suggest that I could go on and achieve what I wanted, you know, what I did achieve. Um, So I've got a lot to thank that PE teacher for because I actually quit after that first race and she's like, no, we need you for the team. You know, 18th is brilliant in your first race. And um, (laughs) so... Yeah, I think in, in some ways, I mean, I, I was also very lucky because I recognised that I, I did have a, a certain amount of talent. Um, but you know, and also that, you know, that I was in that, that environment where it was possible to pursue that talent. Um, uh, but in some ways, I, I think I maybe succeeded in spite of myself as well. Um, so, yeah, I was very much of the mindset that more is better, um, you know, that to be a top athlete, it's all about being this 24 athlete and you just you have to be tough and you have to always be seeking that extra edge. And uh, yeah, I just found it really hard to relax and to switch off. Uh, and I think I always told myself, you know, I'll be happy when I do such and such a time or I achieve such and such a position. Like, And um, yeah, it just it basically just led to a lot of burn, burnout and injury. Um, so that's that's something I'm really keen, re- well, not keen, passionate about helping others not to um, not to do the same. So, Becky, this episode, we we are focusing on biomechanics and the kind of prevention of injury and and um, that type of thing. So can you tell us about your injury journey with your Achilles and how that kind of led you down the route of biomechanics and understanding more about your biomechanics and how that might help prevent injury? Yeah, no, I mean, basically, uh, it was very much um, got a calf strain, got a a bad Achilles. I was always keen because I am always keen to try and get to the bottom of things. And so um, I was on funding uh, for a large part of my career. And uh, I asked to get a biomechanical analysis. Um, So uh yeah we, we went down to the track and had all the filming and um I was basically told that everything looked all right um but having recently actually just looked back on on the report of that and of the pictures you can clearly see that um you know there are imbalances there that I'm collapsing on one side um and uh yeah so uh but it wasn't it wasn't addressed and um yeah it was only really uh, after I got dropped off funding and then I was more or less less left to my own devices that I just started to um, research things myself and try things out myself and um, I, I realized that through doing yoga that I was like really locked up on one side um, yeah so massively imbalanced um, and I also worked with a technique coach as well so there's, um, there's something called the pose technique and I just picked up some really good tips from that um, as well. 
um it it didn't sort of all uh, fit together um and I, you know I didn't quite get to the bottom of everything but I was starting to get a bit of a broader picture about things not just physically as well just you know I was starting to realize that that my mental approach to to the sport as well um, and perhaps even you know from not relaxing quite so much I was carrying a lot of tension in my body uh, that was causing these injuries um so yeah the, it, it really is such a you know a jigsaw um that that you have to address lots of different areas do you know what I think that's so so interesting because I think lockdown for so many people has has been a time of real stress and anxiety but also for lots of people it's been a time of discovery and I think mindfulness is the hot topic people are talking about mm. mental health the whole time and sort of the brain body connection is I feel so unexplored and mm. actually you went through this journey a while ago where you were actually understanding hang on a minute I'm really tense and whether that's physical or mental or a combination whether it's the mind driving the body or, or which whichever way like clearly there is a really strong link there and I think back to when I was I don't know like maybe 12 and being told to run and just stay relaxed stay relaxed and actually I really think there is something to that isn't there because you know if you're really stressed at work then you go out for a run and you're really, really tense. Like, that's not going to help anything. Yeah. yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, I sometimes do a bit of mindfulness. And I, and I often find that when I switch my mind off and I just don't, like, let my brain grab onto the thoughts, it's almost like your brain's like this muscle grabbing onto the thoughts and creating this tension. But if I can just stop that, then I can almost feel my spine letting go. And, like, so many of the... Uh, yeah because the spine is just so key to so many different um, movements and I know we talked about uh, the calf and the Achilles being the issue but actually I, I'm just certain that it was coming now from the tightnesses and imbalances in, around my pelvis and around my back uh, and then you know based on what I've just said there about how when I relax my mind I could feel my back relaxing yeah you know it's it's definitely definitely has an absolute causal link I think um, to a lot of injuries yeah definitely and I think like you say now Georgie uh, alluded to there's so much more information available and even you know you were a top elite athlete but it's sort of beginning to trickle down as well to people who are just participating getting up and going which I suppose is now what you're trying to implement in what you're doing and for me, I know when I was younger, you were definitely a role model in, in, my, from, in my eyes. Like when I was first coming into the sport, you know, not just in your success on the track, it was more like, okay, how do I pack my bag when I'm traveling abroad? Mm -hmm. Or do I take food to races? You know, as a youngster, you used to just rock up and like, oh, there's a, a burger van here, this'll do sort of thing. Whereas, you know, Becky used to have the Tupperwares laid out. And now <laughs> when I when I go to races okay. now, my bag is like majority is food. And then I've got my race kit. Mm -hmm. um, you have to be so prepared. And I know I definitely like all that kind of stuff encompasses being an athlete as well um mm -hmm. and now you've developed your own platform called graceful running um mm -hmm. which you use to sort of help others in in their own goals and like you've just said mm -hmm. um so do you want to just tell our listeners a little bit more about that in terms of like the coaching aspects of it and how you sort of use your own experiences to help them as well yeah yeah no thank you and uh, yeah I'm, I'm glad that I could give you some useful nuggets as well <laughs> uh, I mean there's so many like anecdotes and uh, and stories and experiences that as you say I'm, I'm so keen to use to try and help um, others now so one of the elements of the business is that I've created this program called the Graceful Girls program and um 
Yeah, so the, the format of that is that uh, we, we do it online, obviously, at the moment, because, well, well, we'll keep doing it online after, after lockdown as well now, but um, we do a strength and conditioning session um, because it is about sort of being able to move gracefully as well, but to have like the, the strength and the postural awareness and the, the mobility to be able to, to move as, uh, the, in the best way to not, not get injured. Um, but then after that, we do um, a half hour presentation. Um, I call it a, a personal optimization seminar um, <laughs> because I was going to call it a, a performance seminar, um, but it's, um, it's not about just performance. Uh, it's, it's about just developing all around well-being. So there's like six areas of well-being uh, that we focus on. And uh, I've got about 40 different um, seminars that I've created now. The GRACE is actually an acronym. And um, it it's, teaches people five key principles, which are like universal principles that will help you to move more as humans are designed to move. Um, so yeah, we've developed some software for that and we offer like online technique analyses and physio screens um, just, just to try and uh, enable people to run healthily and consistently. That sounds amazing. Um, how, how old are the girls which you've got in your graceful girls? Uh, yeah so they range from 12 to 16 um yeah I, I say that it, it it's kind of suitable for yeah 12 to, to 18 uh, possibly older as well um but there's a mentoring element to it as well if, if the girls want to do that so yeah, older girls and that might might kind of join in with the mentoring as well Becky I also wanted to ask you about this the other exciting side of your kind of work which is um the project that you started recently with Sheffield Hallam University mm. um, I heard that you, you've collaborated with them and developed a remote biomechanics software. Can you give us a bit more information about that and, and how the whole thing came about? And I saw it recently featured on BBC, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, do you know, I've, I've been uh, so lucky um, with, with the collaboration and how it came about. Um, so, uh, you know, running technique is a real sort of uh, interest of mine and just the... Discovering how to overcome my own injuries. Um, I, I've developed this, uh, the graceful running model, which is like the acronym with the five points. And um, the wife of one of the sports scientists at Sheffield Hallam uh, came to one of my running workshops. So yeah, there I was like with the, the, an amazing university on my doorstep to be able to try and develop the, the model. Um, so it was them that suggested, because they're like, as I say, they're really at the forefront of all the latest technology. And there's this um, automatic joint detection software now that, that you can um, uh, program um, to, well, what, what they've done with me is they've managed to program in all the metrics of what the, uh, the four, sorry, the five, parts of my model um, relate to so for example the g stands for grow and that relates to the position of the hips uh, at foot strike so it's about landing more underneath the center uh, of, of mass um, so they've managed to program into this joint detection software uh, like a score that people would get based on on how close they are to to being able to to land in the op optimal position mm -hmm. um so yeah it's it's been really exciting like working with them and, and developing the model and uh the, the bbc thing was another huge stroke of luck um in that uh 
with COVID that because they wanted to go into all these uh, all singing and dancing labs and do like a really high tech uh, analysis. But they're like, nope, you can't. Uh, so they said, but uh, we've been working on this remote technology where it's literally just a case of um, somebody just needs to film themselves on their phone and then we run it through the software and we can produce a, a report uh, off the back of that, uh, which which gives them the key areas to work on and then strength and conditioning uh, exercises to help to support a, um, an improved technique. Um, so, yeah. And can you just give us a brief outline of what an ideal technique would be? Like, you know, um, I'm not a, a runner, so I wouldn't I wouldn't know what to even look for mm -hmm. in that situation. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. Sorry, this is my real geek area now. So excuse <laughs> if I waffle on. But um, yeah, so as I say, it's it's about pretty much landing directly underneath your centre of mass. So uh, what I say for the grow element um, is is to try and feel like you're you're running on top of your legs rather than with your legs, uh, which might sound a bit strange, but that was the key thing that I was doing wrong as an athlete. Um, I was I was sitting, I was a bit low in my hips, planting in front of my centre of mass. Uh, all the forces were going through my calf and Achilles I used to get horrendous blisters oh everything so um yeah it's I, I, that's that's a real uh linchpin I think of, of the model it's about that position of the hips the R stands for rhythm so the optimal rhythm for humans if it's more like middle distance endurance events is 180 strides a minute and that way you get a lot of the free elasticity that's stored in muscle tendons and ligaments and, and fibers um so yeah, it's about being kind of light and peppy on the ground rather than like, you know, collapsing and, and, and being really impactful. Um, the A stands for alignment. Um, so that's just about both alignment from in the front plane so that you're not collapsing in your hips when you're running or your shoulders um, and not twisting too much. Uh, and then also alignment from the side view. So uh, just trying to make sure that um, you're almost falling forward, but from your ankles. Um, and that way, um, an interesting fact that I learned is that running is actually controlled falling. So you can use the free energy that you get from gravity. Um, mm -hmm. But if you if you bend at the waist at all, then that actually acts like a, as a braking force um, on, on your legs. Um, and that leads me to my next point. Sorry, am I waffling? Yeah, <laughs> he's still with me. <laughs> uh, so the braking force, if you're not in alignment, is like you're having a braking force on the, the circle. So it's C for circle. So that's about like the flow of the movement. Um, and uh, yeah, for that, I say that um, you have to try and feel for the wheel with your heels. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's not, it's weird actually, because like it's, um, it's not, you won't feel like you're drawing a circle. You'll just feel like you're flowing uh, and that your body, again, it's all about listening to your body. Like I say, as humans, we are designed to run. And so you can get really like sort of cerebral about it and, and you know, uh, like overthink things. But yeah, if you just feel for the flow and try and like feel graceful as you're moving, then um, yeah, that's that's the, the third point. And then um, the E is it's not so much biomechanical, but it's um, E for enjoyment. Um, <laughs> so, but again, if you are if you enjoy it, then you're much more likely to be relaxed in your body as well, and that's just going to sort of help to feed into those other parts of it. Yeah, 100%. Um, so what's your what's next for you, Becky, and and your career and and graceful running? I'm, I'm sure COVID's impacted on things a little bit and continues to do so. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, hopefully we're coming towards the end of of our COVID period of <laughs> seclusion in our own lives. But um, what, what are your plans for the, for the upcoming months and, and next year? 
Uh, yeah, so um, I, uh, as I mentioned at the very start, like, you know, uh, lockdown has been this great opportunity for me to be able to focus uh, more on the graceful running side of things. Um, yeah, so I, um, and it has actually shown me how, how things can run successfully online as well. Um, so yeah, I'm about to embark on a bit of a marketing campaign uh, just to take things um, national because at the moment I'm just working with girls from my old club, Hounch Harriers, um, which yeah, has been amazing to do that but I just know that I can I can help so many more people as well um so definitely um going to be got a great team just helping me to, to work on that um and then the running technique analysis as well and physio screens just to try and uh, make people aware that uh that there is a different way of, of running that you can run and uh not get injured and you know enjoy it so much more um so uh yeah I'll, I'll be doing that and then hopefully once we are out of lockdown, um, obviously my other business, my CIC, Community Interest Company, I'll start back um, doing all the community sessions as well uh, and hopefully run some some training camps, actually. Uh, yeah, with the graceful stuff. Uh, so get people out to the Peak District and uh, yeah, show off what we've got around here. Yeah. It'll be great. <laughs> Okay, so today we have uh, with us Dr. Chris Brammer, and we're delighted that he's here and is able to allocate some of his time to us. Um, Chris, for those of you who don't know, is a well-renowned physiotherapist. He graduated from University of Salford. He's since gone on to complete his PhD, which investigates the intricacies of biomechanics behind injuries within runners. Um, he's an expert within sort of doing 3D gait analysis, which I'm sure he can detail to us all a little bit more about. He currently works at Manchester Institute of Health and Performance, where he has his own clinic, day-to-day um, -day physiotherapy there. And welcome to the podcast, Chris. Oh, thank you very much, Jess. And thank you very much, Georgie and Lucy, for, for having me on. That was a sort of a gl glowing introduction that you, <laughs> you painted of me. Hopefully I can live up to that reputation. So we go on to your research, and this is primarily focused on running, which, you know, we all love. Um, so what are the most common injuries that you have seen throughout your research and as well within a day-to-day -day practice? And does this vary depending on like the level of the athlete? So whether they're an elite or whether, you know, just a day-to-day -day runner looking to for health, health and fitness, really? Yeah, so I, I definitely think there's been there's a variety of different injuries. And I, I do think that they are hugely influenced by the types of runner that we see as well. Um, so within my research, so we created it as like a clinic. So it, I have various biomechanics clinics, so I can assess people from elite standard to recreational standard. So as a result, we've seen and got lots of side projects that looking at various different injuries. So the common ones that we tend to see amongst recreational runners are injuries around the knee joint. So in particular, these can be like patellofemoral pain, which we commonly call runner's knee, where your sort of kneecap hurts or your classic IT band syndrome at the side of the leg. Um, and then in your elite runners, we also tend to see more of like the, the lower leg down. So injuries to things like the shin, the calf, the Achilles tendon. Um, so I guess, you know, those, all of those injuries were covered within my PhD as they're pretty much our common injuries that we see. Um, I, but I do think you, your primary difference that we get is that recreational runners or, or people new to running tend to injure the knee more frequently, whereas at that elite level, we injure the ankle more, more frequently, which I, I actually think is due to subtle differences in, in how we run between us. But those, those are the main ones that we sort of looked at. 
Whereas those people who are new to running, we tend to focus more on going for volume first. So lots of long, slow running that people try to build up, um, which what we seem, what we, well, what we find is that if you, if the longer you run or the slower pace is, the more load that gets applied to the knee. So I think there's a large amount in terms of what we do from a training perspective that then changes the type of stress we put on different areas. Yeah, that's, definitely. That's, that's super interesting. And would you say that, like, maybe that's an argument for mixing up your training stimulus a bit, particularly for those who may be more prone to the sort of knee injuries where it is just that kind of repetitive action? Yeah, massively. I think... Um, you know, one of my key things that I always say to people in terms of injury prevention is, is about having a variety of different stimuluses. So if we go out of the door and we just run slow every single day, um, we stress the same structures and over and over and over again. Whereas when we try to run fast, we'll challenge different tissues and same vice versa. If we just run fast, calf and Achilles is stressed all the time. So for me, I think, um, you know, it's almost simplistic in its view that we should have a variety to our training patterns. So have long, slow running in there, short, fast running in, tempo running. But I do believe that that varied stimulus challenges our body in different ways, which ensures that each different tissue gets a bit of conditioning to it, but also other bit, other tissues can be allowed to recover when we stimulate in it a different way. And even myself, from an anecdote perspective, I do find that that I, I need that varied stimulus to keep me in a, a sort of happy place, shall I say. <laughs> That's so interesting. And I guess you could also potentially say with the type of terrain you're running on as well, perhaps like varying the, whether it's road off road, trail off trail, flat, you know. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And, it, you know, on that that same point, it's we, we can even go to how we change our footwear and our shoes. Uh, varying the shoes, it changes the, what the level of, impacts that we're exposed to um, how we adjust our mechanics to it the sort of level of shock and vibrations that are put through the system will also change so I, i'm a true believer in um in having that variety of stimulus to keep us ourselves conditioned and i think if we don't vary what we do and we do too much of the same thing we tend to get sort of almost set in our ways so our bodies become very adapted and conditioned to doing one particular thing and that way, when we're taken out of our comfort zone and either change our footwear or change our surface or are forced to try a, a, a different event, i.e. we come from doing half marathons to then trying to do a track 3K, um, that stimulus is then such a shock to the system. That is often when the injuries occur. So, you know, for me, it's varying everything that we do. I think it's that that, um, that old phrase of variety is the spice of life. I think it applies to biomechanics too. We're definitely going to come to some top tips you've got around reducing risk. But I guess back to the, in a way, main focus of our podcast, so really focusing or applying the female lens to everything we're doing and talking about. So firstly, I guess, um, stepping back and looking at the different injury types and rates between men and women, what, what would you say would be your experiences? Like, obviously, in the press, there's all this information about women being more susceptible to ACL injuries, but really on the ground like what what are the differences if any that you observe and also um would you say that one is like women are more susceptible to certain injury types than men but are women more likely generally to be injured yeah so i think you, you've got quite a few different uh, avenues to that in, in terms of first of all injury sort of differences that we see 
we do see clear differences between uh, male and females in terms of um, injuries. There's the, the evidence base, even the, the scientific evidence would suggest that female athletes are more prone to your common knee type injuries, in particular your patellofemoral, um, so you, again your runner's knee or your IT band type pain. Um, and again, we, we do know in the literature that the female athlete is more prone to bone stress injuries as well. Whereas your, your, your male runners, they just get classic um, like calf strain injuries, Achilles tendinopathy more frequently. Now, why that is, um, I think that really is a complex question because uh, there's a lot of differences that we have from uh, both an anatomical structural perspective um, and from a hormonal perspective that I think influence the, our tissue recovery and also our function. I think largely from a, I guess if I'm delving into more of uh, my specific research, is that within biomechanics, there is this, uh, well, we, we do know that there are slight differences in how uh, men and women run. And in particular, what we tend to find is that female athletes are more prone to what we call hip adduction. So it's where the, the, the hip would drop in and the knee would potentially cross the midline. And we tend to see that a lot more frequently in women. Um, we've tried to explore why exactly that is. And I, I think it's a combination of different factors, really. I think it's one, one aspect is that our hip structures are built differently, which means that as a female athlete, uh, often having a wider pelvis or slight change in the, the angle of the femur means that the, the muscles of, of the bum, so your glute muscles, your hip abductors, they are um, placed in a position where it's harder for them to function a little bit. So in effect, for me, what you then find is that uh, female athletes in particular um, or my opinion is that we should really be focusing on how we work on that hip abductor strength. Because if we're thinking slight changes in our anatomy, make those muscles uh, harder to function or put in a position where they don't function as well, we almost have to super compensate by making them um, extra strong. And, and that then theoretically should give us the fundamental ability to control movement around our hip and knee a little bit better. So I think that's the obvious one from a uh, scientific evidence and from, from what we tend to see time and time again as a, as a difference if we then think about like rehabilitating from these injuries do you have to pro approach them obviously the injury is different but in terms of the take-up or um the recovery from injury would that differ between men and women as well and i suppose perhaps between the elite and the non-elite um, and then do you have different ways in which you assess their recovery over time or does that vary so individually? There's a lot in that question. <laughs> yeah, there isn't there? Um, no, Sorry. So, so for me, regardless of if we just went on to the, to the uh, male and female differences, every single person that I see, I feel is different and presents with something completely different. So even though we, we generically go, okay, male and female runners might move differently and might get different types of injury. There are a host of reasons for that that actually might transcend across populations. So whereas I said about the anatomical changes in the hip, you might see similar in, in some males. So for me, when I look at each runner, I think we have to um, consider them on an individual basis and their individual factors that are going on. And I guess personal to perhaps my preference to how I like to work is I first like to understand how someone runs and how they move. So if I can see that, I can get an indication of what types of tissues are being stressed, 
how um, joints might be loaded a little bit differently. Um, so then if I can understand the stresses that they put on their body, I can understand how I can influence my rehab to get them back to be able to tolerate that sort of stress. So we, we call it a performance backwards thinking approach. And what we're trying to do is think of what that end performance is and then break down the components to the performance based on biomechanics. So really simply, if I was to say you have to run, I know your calf has to be able to tolerate, and this is going to sound quite daunting now, but your calf has to be able to tolerate around two times your body weight of a peak force. So I might start somebody with uh, calf raises in their rehab program and work them up to hitting that marker. And if I know they can hit that marker of what the demands of running will place on them, you can start to see that, oh, actually, this relates to running. I can attain it. Therefore, let's start to put in drills or let's start to then um, go out for small jogs. So we like to break it down and work people up to that. And I think it gives people a nice aim then to achieve along the way. So moving on to a different kind of topic, Chris, the question that I want to ask is, do you think enough people, either elite or recreational runners, engage in that type of biomechanical analysis or biomechanics analysis or recommendations? And because um, obviously some elite runners might think that if it isn't broke, don't fix it type thing. OK, so um, again, you've got quite a few things in there, but the, from the biomechanics perspective, I actually think everybody should pay real, really important attention to what they do from a movement perspective. Um, it might sound a little bit contra uh, controversial, but I am a huge believer in if we can optimize the way that we move and move appropriately, we can reduce the stress that's applied to our body, apply stress to the tissues that can most tolerate that stress. Um, and reduce that risk of injury and, and help improve our, our own performance. And I do think that, you know, our biomechanics are going to vary on a day-to-day -day basis, depending on, on how we are in life. So from a fatigue perspective, from a um, just a recovery perspective, it's going to affect how our tissues function. And if our tissues are going to function at different rates at different times, it's going to have an impact upon our biomechanics and how we move. So we need to be aware of that and be aware of what's good movement and what's going to be harmful and stressful movement so we can adjust accordingly. I think it's often what we'll do as runners is we'll push our push and push ourselves into fatigue. We'll start moving all over the place. We'll lose control of limbs. We won't be moving efficiently. And that for me is when injuries are likely to occur because we can no longer protect our body using optimal muscle structure and tend to start relying on structures like our bones and our, our tendons. So I, I do think, you know, for me, it is a priority for us to optimize our movement patterns from the day we start running, really. And how do you do that? So how do you know, you know, someone that might just be running in the park, you know, how do you know what your movement patterns are going to do on a certain day? And how do you kind of tweak that to be optimal? Yeah, so... It is a difficult one for people to, to necessarily be aware because sometimes we're not always aware. I guess the key things of what I would want for somebody to think of is, um, is that if they were to ensure that their foot position when they hit the ground is underneath the body or, or as close to the body as possible rather than reaching out far ahead. And they are trying to turn the legs over nice and smooth. They're not spending too long on the ground. I think those two characteristics if we attain them, it tends to look after the rest of our sort of biomechanical patterns. So effectively, foot close to our body and reacting off the ground nice and quick. 
and we can do that ourselves like you know if, if we're really fatigued the easiest way to do it and actually we see the elites do this on the marathon stage as well is they shorten their stride and keep the legs spinning over and turning over and i think what that will help is it will stop us from having really hard impacts of colliding with the ground it'll stop us from spending too long on the ground loading muscles and tendons uh, and allow us to keep our momentum moving forward so for me i'd probably go as subtle as that but i do know like you know people who have uh, garments nowadays um i know there are other manufacturers out there but garments in particular i quite like their uh, chest straps for the heart rate monitors as um, some of the newer ones have what we call accelerometers in the chest strap. So it actually monitors how you're, you're moving um, as you run. And then you can watch your data back on your phone, on your Garmin Connect, and it will give you um, information like the ones I like is, in particular, it tells you how much you're loading your right and, and left leg. Um, it will tell you whether or not your uh, cadence is within a, an optimal range or like a high performance range. And it also gives you a nice one called uh, vertical ratio. So it's basically how much time are you spending in the air relative to ground covered? So you don't want to be bouncing up and down on the spot like a bouncy ball. You want to be maximizing the bounce that you get for your stride length. And on Garmin's metrics now, they, they'll show you that and they give it you in a nice little color chart to see whether or not you're in a normal range. And then for me, adopt your simple strategies, get your foot underneath your body, keep your legs turning over at a little bit of a quicker rate we tend to fix some of those things and Chris you mentioned at the beginning that obviously in the first lockdown there was a lot of people taking up running who probably weren't necessarily runners um previous to that so from an injury prevention perspective are there any sort of what advice would you give them um if someone wanted to take up running recreationally what would be your advice any exercises that you would recommend in terms of um yeah injury prevention so if you're taking up running new for the first time, I am a huge lover of the Couch to 5K program. Now, the reason I am is because regardless of how you move or whatever, it allows you to gradually condition your body to, to train and, and to run in. I think my key elements of it are that day on day off approach. So I definitely wouldn't be running back to back days if we are new to running because we need to give our body and our tissues time to recover and time to adapt to the process. The other thing that I do within that program is sometimes as it goes through those levels, and this holds true for any elite athlete or any athlete one bit, but as you go through those progressive levels of what you're doing within your training, if one week you're starting to feel a bit sore or develop um, little what you might term injury niggles or, or things are a little bit unsettled, what I would do is first of all, allow that tissue to recover and just give it an extra day's rest if need be to allow it to settle and then repeat that same week the week after so don't progress to the next week don't feel like you have to go from level one to level two every week but plateau and repeat the same week and only once you can come for a week completely unscathed without having any soreness any niggles things aren't tight the next day you know your body's adapting to it so you can start to push on a little bit further onto that next level and i think regardless of you know, forgetting strength training or any other sort of exercises, that for me is the fundamental key for people to, to pick up running is, is to be very gradual, listen to the body, recover when necessary, and don't be afraid to take that step back to then move forward again. So that's it for this week. 
thank you for joining us as we open up the conversation around female physiology and women's health to do with sport and exercise. Thanks again to our title sponsors for this series, UMI Health. UMI is your go-to one-stop hub for all things pelvic health. Come join the revolution at umi-health.com.